Growth Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Travel Growth Podcast. I'm Tom McLaughlin, founder of SEO Travel, and this is where I speak to successful travel business leaders and dig into the successes, challenges and learnings from their experiences over the years. So you, the listener, can take away actionable advice to enhance your own businesses and maybe even lives too. My guest today is Nick Kershaw. Nick is the founder of Impact Marathon, an organisation that uses the power of running to uplift communities and empowers runners all over the world. Since 2015, they have raised $1.2 million for grassroots organisations where they tackle the global goals in these communities. And they've organised races in five different countries and built a community of more than 400 runners. This is a fantastic conversation to close out the first season of the podcast. Nick is supremely educated in both running an organisation and combining that with making a wider impact, as the name of his company would suggest. We discussed the thinking behind making a true impact, Nick's clear desire to keep improving himself and how travel business should be approaching their work in a world that is becoming more and more demanding of social and environmental awareness and action. We also cover community, the importance of empowering others, growing their team in a distributed way around the world, and how Nick turns up in new countries with sometimes no connections and goes about building an event from there. Marketing is also included, of course, with Nick's thoughts on cultivating word of mouth and some discussion around influencers, partnerships, and what is at the centre of good marketing. Nick was actually the first person I interviewed in the process of starting the podcast, and as soon as we recorded this one, I knew it would be a worthy contender to bring the first season to a close. This one is packed with highlights. I'm sure you're going to love it. So please enjoy me talking to Nick Kershaw. Hello, Nick. Welcome Hi to the there. show. Tom, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, really good. Thank you for coming on. Uh, oh. I'm really excited to, to talk to you. I've got many, many questions from all the research that I've been doing, digging around and uh, looking at other things where you've been, been featured and spoken about stuff and from our previous conversations as well. And mm. there's so much interesting stuff in there. But uh, yeah, I think there's lots to cover and lots of stuff that hopefully people will be able to learn from and, and take away to, to implement themselves. So yeah, looking forward That's to getting into it. Excellent. Yeah, no, definitely. Good to be here. Good. So I'd like to start um, with something I th- which I think you said to me when we spoke originally, which was that you don't think of impact as a travel business. So I thought maybe we could dig into that one first as a bit of a left field start <laughs> and, and get your thoughts on why, why you feel like that. And if it's not a travel business, what, what is it? Yeah, I mean... I think it starts with why why we began impact and um weirdly I don't even really think of us as a as a running business either even though that's primarily what we do um the whole focus point was you know back when when the idea was kind of sprouting back in 2015 um I really wanted to find ways to connect people with their ability to make an impact in the world I really wanted to find ways to connect people to great charities and organizations and lots of people want to give lots of people want to go do, you know do good but they don't know where to start or they don't know how to do it effectively or they can't be bothered there's other things to do and what we wanted to do was just take people outside of that immediate kind of world and give an opportunity to connect so 
when I started it, the whole thing was, how do we get people to understand the difference we're making with these projects in Uganda? That, that was it. It wasn't... Um, it wasn't the case that, oh, cool, I want to start doing tours of, of Uganda. I want to start, you know, guerrilla treks and all those things. Those are great. And they kind of, you know, when you go to Uganda, you may you really should go and see the gorillas. It's awesome. But um, it wasn't a that wasn't the reason we wanted to to do impact in the first place. It was to connect people with their ability to make an impact in the world, to, to create positive change, to touch the lives of others. Um, it, it just so happened that at that time, that was the the perfect way to say it and and rather than just say cool let's go to uganda and visit i said let's run a marathon and suddenly you have 70 people signing up and it's a totally different kind of game so it was just very much by chance um and yeah i i, I even now the the travel part isn't the bit that gets me excited it's about cool this isn't a really awesome organization or this is a cool part of the trail route right just like you would in a normal running experience so yeah that's pretty much yeah. it. Nice, nice. And and where did that come from? That desire to show people what they could do and you know inspire them that way. I mean, it's a difficult question because, like, it's always been just something that gets me motivated, right? And it's some. Um, that's pretty much it. Ever since I was younger, I was always looking at different ways to connect people with their ability to do more and to achieve more you know at uni i started organizing kilimanjaro trips as well and it was like so for me i don't i can't think of a single thing apart from it gets me really excited when i see that it gets me really excited when the penny drops and someone's like oh, i can see i can do that and to this day it gets me really excited when i see the changes people make in their lives after an impact marathon or the friendships that are formed after an impact marathon and just that that idea that we as individuals we drop a pebble and that that has a ripple effect that genuinely especially especially in our lifetimes in our generations you drop a pebble it will it can it can create waves all over the world and so that that ripple thing just excites me and inspires me and i don't think there's any kind of like theory or principle or or moment that i was like oh this is what i want to do with my life it just i always kept on finding myself in that situation where yeah cool how can we do this right a, a friend wants to put on a music festival okay cool how can i help that friend do that because it's a really cool idea what can i do okay cool i know all the bands in the area great i'll put that together right so it just everything was very organic really um yeah yeah nice so you mentioned you mentioned the kilimanjaro trip there so that <clears throat> that was back at uni so even when you were back at uni you were organizing things and involved yeah. in that in that in that sort of stuff yeah maybe tell us a little bit more about the journey from <laughs> from there and like how yeah it, i guess it pretend, i guess what got you interested in that kind of thing in the first place and how did that then lead to i guess building up towards impact i know there's a lot of steps along the way so maybe that's a lot of steps but... <laughs> <clears throat> well i think the main thing is that basically i've always enjoyed solving things and so i've always been enjoyed the person you know with three phones in the background trying to fix things and and, and do that and so even now when i go to there's an amazing trail running festival down in, in the gawa called love trails festival and that you know i'm straight away just messaging me like look i want to help i don't really i don't really like I don't, I don't like going to concerts i don't like going to festivals but i like having ability to help and, and put that together so um when I 
so I did those Kilimanjaro trips. That was just again by, I don't know, it's not by design. A friend was organizing them. He said, Nick, do you want to set up one in Newcastle? And I was like, okay, cool. And then suddenly 60 people were coming over to Killy and I was 20 and didn't have a clue how on earth that was happening and what I needed to do. But you just naturally start to, well, you've got to step up, right? We need to get a bus now. Let's go do that. We need to, you know, everyone's asking me what they want for dinner. Okay, cool. Well, I'll do a bit of research. Great. Excellent. Can we get a table for 60 at an Indian restaurant in, in Arusha? Yes. Cool. Can we get a bus? Yeah. And it was just, it was just really super fun to, uh, to enjoyable to do that. And, um, and that enjoyment of making those connections that make things possible is still you know, really there to this day. So when I came out of uni, um, I kind of thought, yeah, I did want to go into organizing travel and, but then, honestly, I didn't think the money was very interesting at the time because I was 21 and wanted to, you know, do whatever. So I went into finance in London, um, did that for five years. And over the period of time in those five years, I moved from um, started off uh, in some weird places. And then I ended up getting qualified, wealth management qualified, um, ended up sort of focusing more and more in impact investing. So where you, you're investing not only for returns, because that's super important, but also to create a, a positive social impact. Through there, I started to meet more social entrepreneurs, started to understand that that we can manipulate finance for good as well, and that business has an ability to do good. And I think um, that's that's where it kind of, yeah, I was just spending a lot of time surrounded by those people. And so when I when I made that joke, about doing a marathon in Uganda, it all kind of picked up speed and within six weeks we launched it. And so uh, that's the very quick version of the five years that led up to that moment. Um, <clears throat> and so even, yeah, even to this day, I love it. So you were, so yeah, you were, you were working in, you were working in the city, you were working, at, you know, in finance of it, I guess, money being pretty good in, yeah. in that kind of area. And obviously the aspiration of where it could go being, being even better. So you then went to set up Uganda what, whilst, whilst you were still working there. Was it kind of side by side? By side? Yeah, I, we, we had no idea when we were setting that up what it was that we were setting up, really. We, we, we just thought this looks like a fun idea and we think we can do it and we think we can pull it off. Um, <clears throat> so I, st I stayed in my job throughout the year. Um, the person I set it up with, Henry, he took some time off, uh, ended up leaving his job, went all in on, on putting that race together and, you know, he was out in Uganda long before I arrived, going through some of the, the gnarlier stuff that happens when you first are trying to set up something and you don't quite know how to do it. And very much, um, yeah, and then in the build-up to that, it started to become clear that there was a model here. There was something interesting. You know, we were able to to make it sort of sustainable, not, not profitable, but sustainable. Okay, cool, that's great. Um, and it was at a time when, yeah, I just felt really comfortable with the idea that this was... Worst case scenario, I was going to get a year and a half. If I go in on this, the model works enough that I'm going to get a year and a half to learn how to set up businesses and and learn how to work with organizations and travel and do the things that I hadn't been able to do for five years whilst whilst focusing so much on on work and 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 that kind of busy job. So yeah, I'm just trying to think back to all the things that happened that year. It was 2015 was absolutely insane intense year in that respect because there was loads of things going on there was some stuff in my personal life which again was just inspiring me to say okay cool if that's happening then i want to be i want to be ahead of it now i want i want to be living a really really full exciting and thrilling life right and so the impact marathon idea just came out of yeah lots of 
long conversations over a bottle of wine trying to work out what you know how that model works i didn't know anything about travel i you know understood a bit about starting a business but not really and so i was working and spending loads of time with with a chap called matt fenton uh, who went on to sort of co-found impact with me and he worked at tui he'd been at real gap originally then moved to tui and now has his own thing with inspired ventures and we just spent loads of time and he was basically teaching me what was going on in travel and how to set that up so that's how i kind of fell into being in a travel organization um and we modeled out how impact marathon could work how it could grow what kind of um yeah was it possible and by the time that we'd done all that it was like well obviously i've got to do, do this i've got to go try this out and you know sat down with my chairman and he was just super super supportive so um the next steps were, were actually made a lot easier there's a nice story of when when you made the cut basically mm. the, your boss or you were at an interview or something where they essentially told you to go and do it well there was the two moments on that there was the one was the was before that job yeah was um I was actually interviewing for Goldman's, uh, Goldman Sachs, and the managing director there was, yeah, he cleared it bluntly. I don't think he thought I was going to be very good at the job. Um, and I think he also thought I was distracted one there. So, you know, I, I think um, it was a really easy thing for him to say, but he, he basically said, look, you know, we're going to take our pound of flesh and it's not your passion. You need to go and focus on something that you're passionate about. Um, and uh, yeah, like you could do the job, but you've got to really love it. And you love that focus of Africa more but we in that I'd also talked about because I just got into running I also talked about marathons and I was like I really want to sign up to a marathon I'm thinking about doing one and he just said do one abroad it'll change your life and just get, make it happen so I went out of that interview and I was pretty annoyed because I really wanted that job and um <laughs> and I was like well it's, it's great that he's given me that that lovely talk about following my passions but I don't know how to do that um I ended up with a different organization then called Truestone, which then got bought by uh, someone called John Spears, who's a, a huge philanthropist here in the UK. And um, he changed it into this really awesome organization where it's 50% owned by the staff, 50% owned by the foundation. Um, so this this was set up really well and he was really encouraging of, of all the different things. And I was obviously, even at that stage, very had a lot of ideas and he was always really encouraging of that so three three years on from that interview at goldman's i then sat down with him a month after the uganda marathon and said look you know he, he started saying cool what, how are we going to do your targets for this next quarter and i was like i don't i don't think we should and this is why i want to do this and i'm a bit terrified but i think it's a really good model and decision and i really want to do this and uh, next thing you know he he was just really really encouraging of it and he said you know we will you know go and do it and do, do you have an office space no cool well you i've seen that you use room two a lot to to plan out your other stuff we know what you're doing in room two nick so you can have room two as your as your first office space and i was able to use that um and said look you know you've got three months notice see it out but uh be be in the office but get cracking on this because you need all the time you can get and to yeah, this day, he's been wow. super, super supportive. So, um, nice. yeah. So that really, was really that good. was still a, a fi it, while you were in a finance job. Is that uh, again? I've heard you mention like was that the B Corp? Yes, yeah, that's the B Corp. B Corp by EQ Investors. Yeah, yeah. So they were they were just amazing, and and today they're super supportive still. It sounds like you've I guess 
the seeds of like social enterprise and things then were happening in the background whilst you were doing other things, yeah. you know, some of the pieces aligning maybe that were Very much it. so. And I think one of the things that happened, I, I studied politics at uni and I always thought that I wanted to go into politics because I always just, it just felt like that's exactly what I wanted to do because you can make an impact, you can, you can surf, you can do all these things. And then the more I studied politics, the more I realized that sometimes it can be a bit of a zero sum game as we're seeing play out a lot. And, and actually you start to realize, yeah, if you, if it's purely about like the level of impact you want, then business has an incredible role to play in that. Um, it's not to say that politics is totally off the agenda for sure, but it does mean that when I came out of uni, I was like, actually, I don't know whether that's going to be the place where I can have the biggest impact at the moment. Um, yeah. So that, that was like a, a good journey. And then so from that, so it's always been in me to use whatever it is that I have as, as the skill set to, to create change and to, to create an impact and to drive for the world that we dreamt we lived in as kids. But yeah, I did. I, I didn't know it would go down the finance route. I certainly didn't think it would be in the travel and event management route for sure. That was not in my plans. Aged, aged eighteen, going to uni and studying yeah. politics. Nice. And 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 so just to then sort of join the dots a little bit between. So you, you were setting Uganda up with Henry, mm-hmm. and then you ran you what you ran that event, and then from there, did that just turn in? Did that turn into impact directly? Was it? Say, uh, no. I mean, there was a difficult. A difficult few months afterwards, as Henry and I tried to work out what we both wanted in our lives. We've been like tight, tight brothers pretty much since we were 13, 14. Um, But it was pretty clear over the months afterwards that we both just wanted different things in terms of our own lifestyles and what we wanted. You know, it's a fun project in Uganda, but if you don't love running and you don't really want to to build a running organization then why would you want to do that in lots of different countries around the world and you know setting it up the way that henry had to set it up from pretty much scratch landing in country he did all of that kind of groundwork the idea of then okay cool let's go to nepal and go through all of that again wasn't really on his his agenda whereas for me i was looking at it from the perspective of okay cool what can we take from this that then becomes replicable around the world quickly and easily and the answer is it's taken another five years to keep working that out but at the time i thought i had a, a good idea on that and so um yeah we took it it was it was it's always difficult right when you're in in business with someone so that's so important to you we had definitely some really difficult uh conversations uh some conversations we probably didn't have that we should have had um and so by sort of three or four months later it was clear that impact would be totally separate from uganda um and then yeah i kind of when i so by the time it was september 1st which is when my notice period at work worked out i was basically walking out into this i had matt fenton supporting me and that was that was pretty much it and yeah 10 days later flew to nepal and started to try to make it happen nice so you so you and matt co-founded it together i've 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 I've, fact somewhere somewhere along the way i heard or read about uh inspired 50 yes what was was that part of the law did that happen before where where did that yeah that was oh that was that that was part of that crazy 2015 year um so that was something that that matt and uh his business partner afsal have been working on with their inspired uh thing was to try and get the 50 most inspiring people uh together um, 50 most inspiring people in London and we had the Lord's Mayor's office and all of that side of things and so that was a that was a fun little campaign and it opened up 
like I, I know that we talked poor before about Dave Cornthwaite. You know, that was a, a friendship that I'd I'd seen him speak a couple of times, thought Dave was incredible, talked to him about Inspired Fifty, and suddenly we you know, um he just became a really important person in my life at that time and really encouraging of these next steps. Um in fact he came over to my house and cleared out my my life until it fitted into two bags. <laughs> And I lived out of two bags for the next three, four years or so. Um, nice. So I can imagine him being very good at that. <laughs> yeah, brutal, brutal. It's like, well, that, but, but that is my my prized possession from when I was in your th- <laughs> cut. Get rid of it. Yeah, it was it was a painful three, four hours that he just went through, and he was like, you know, because I would gotten so into my running and my cycling, I had so much lycra. I had a whole drawer of lycra, and he was just like, how much lycra does a man need? Yeah. You know, a lot in fairness yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) depends on the man um so so yeah so so then you 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 set things up with Matt then and then yeah then it was kind of full-on I get I get and then I guess when you started what were the next steps then when you started to get impact off the ground was it lots of new Lots of new marathons. Was Uganda a part of it, or was it get out to? I don't know. Was Nepal Nepal the first Nepal one? Nepal was the first one. Yeah. So yeah. So it was basically because we decided on the divorce, and um, you know, Uganda marathon was the baby, and and Henry got custody there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we. I was doing basically like, okay, cool. I've got a blank slate, and it had actually back in April it had been Henry's idea to do the first impact marathon should be in Nepal. So I was like, cool. I'm just going to keep following off that vision. So yeah. 10 days into going full time, I landed in Nepal. I was there for three, four weeks. Then I went off to Guatemala, um, Colombia. And then, yeah, we launched those three races straight away. Yeah, I think we launched with three races. I think, yeah, we launched Nepal. And then two or three months later, we launched Colombia. And then a few months later, we launched Guatemala. It kind of just snowballed. I wanted to get to, to a lot of races fast. I realized along the way that that wasn't particularly a smart move. And we should really focus on getting one or two really, really strong. And why then the was other that then? Why, why, why it, wasn't it as well? Because that first year one in Nepal, we had 90 people register, which is exactly like the top end of what I ever want to have on a trip. Um, and so when in year two, you then have that spread across, you, your marketing needs to keep up. You need to be able to fill each race to make them sustainable. What then happened was we had four races. So people were repeating and people were coming in, but it was like, 30 on this race 20 on that race 50 on that <clears throat> and then so so each race some races are making you know are being sustainable some races are losing money and you don't have that so we needed to spend a bit more time going cool you know unless we had a really big marketing budget which we didn't because it was shoestringed um bootstrap sorry shoestring bootstrapped yes um yeah. <laughs> so we bootstrapped it that, that first year so we didn't really have any marketing budget at all so from that perspective you know you're you're going out there you're trying to make noise but but that does cost money that it, you do have to to structure that really really well as <laughs> as you know um pretty well Indeed, i imagine yeah. um and so yeah to have try and be selling four races all at once in that first year like i was nepal was flying and all the rest were distinctly not and it was doing yeah, okay right. we were getting like you know 15 20 people but then you know so it was just a super ambitious plan with with without the right funding to to put it into place really yeah and what and what did the like what did the business look like at that point what did the team look like when you were when you were trying to yeah get four events off the ground so um it was myself all the time obviously um 
24 hours a day. And then we had three interns at the time in that first year. Uh, over the summer, yeah, we had some three interns who were doing sort of three or four days, two or three days a week, I think, at each. Um, and that was it to some degree at that moment. Um, we didn't have, it was only until year two that we started to have someone who came on board and handled a lot more of the operations and logistics. And, uh, but in that first year, certainly it was, you know, I was working with a lot of the people you know, inspired by Dave and the Yes Tribe who wanted to, to, to do something different. And they would come and work for three to six months with me for free. And just they out of that, they got this incredible adventure and got to put on a race and learn. Low. So that's what we kind of had to rely on early on uh, in that first year was interns and people who wanted to, to give 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 months of their uh, give months of their life and, and do something a bit epic, a bit different. Um, so, yeah, that that's pretty much how it was at that time. Wow. So, so, and then it was, so it was just you herring around the world to, to different places, trying to, <laughs> trying to work out what was going on, how, how that must have been incredibly difficult to wander into new countries and act like, how did that look? What was the process for going to a new country and, you know, from nothing? Each one zero? was slightly different on that respect. So Nepal, um, Actually, we'd, we'd had someone helping us. Natalia had been helping us and introducing me to people. She knew Nepal quite well and introduced me to sort of eight or nine people. If you've got eight or nine introductions into a country and you meet all of them, you've probably got now five to ten more connections, if not more, in terms of who they then go, oh, you should talk to this person. Or what if one of them clicks, then that's all you need. So Nepal went quite smoothly. Um, Colombia was a ah, Colombia was awful. I, I landed in Bogota at 4 a.m., realized that you know i was like i need a coffee and i'd never been to latin america or a spanish-speaking country before so i landed in bogota having just watched narcos and being like that in my head is that like, this is what <laughs> colombia is it's not like that just for everybody like colombia couldn't be more beautiful friendly welcoming all of those things but at 4 a.m when you first yeah. enter bogota and you're a, a little little english man and you don't really you realize you can't like because they do all of the um uh the coffee they do it in ounces. So when I went to get a coffee at 4 a.m., I was like, I just need something to try and work out because my Airbnb wasn't going to open till 7 a.m. And I stood there and I was like, I, I, don't, I don't know any, I don't even know hello. I don't know any numbers. Um, I can't order a coffee because I'm panicked. And so I then just got there and I was in, a, it was literally an Airbnb. I was sharing a toilet with a cat. It was $9 a night. Um, and... <laughs> Honestly, it was it was the the weirdest little time for me. And again, every single country has a different culture. And it comes to replying to emails. That's not a good like Colombian email replies aren't something you you can rely on. And so I spent the first five, six days just like messaging, emailing everybody like completely from scratch. I knew one person I landed in country and she wasn't even in the country. She was off in somewhere else at the time so i was you know completely starting fresh and you just meet people one meeting meets to another one charity actually gets back to you and all these things but it was looking really dire and i remember calling up matt and matt to this day you know he's like that's the most depressed i've ever heard you you know you just be like what am i doing here i'm so far from home i'm so yeah so and then we just said cool if if by friday it's not working out we've got some good connections in ecuador so we can just see whether we can start to make something work there instead and then friday morning i get a message from a lady called claudia elena um claudia elena vasquez and she's married to the most famous pop star 
in Colombia. So in Colombia, like there's Carlos Vives, then there's Shakira, right? Like Shakira's the international star. Carlos Vives is like doesn't doesn't really speak any English, so all his songs are in Spanish. So and so next thing you know, I'm flying up to his hometown of Santa Marta. They want to you know, he's just set up a foundation in Santa Marta and they want to work on the race. And so suddenly it kind of from there just like grew. And actually that was an example where it just grew way beyond what I you know, three months into this, I didn't know how to deliver what they were looking for me to deliver. Um so Colombia oh. was is always this like little itch that I still need to scratch and go back to because we've got something I love the country. Um end up living there for quite some time actually through 2017 2018 because uh yeah living there and um and then guatemala a totally different story altogether because i'd met someone at the world travel market um who really got the idea of what we were trying to do and when you go to the world travel market i, I guess you've probably been have you yeah yeah quite a few yeah, times like you know that, yeah, yeah ridiculous place right? head, head explodes every time yeah <laughs> oh completely and then you you sit down with some operators and you try and explain like hey cool we're going to do this marathon we're going to spend the time we need to build a pop-up athletes village like a campsite then we want to go and work in social projects and go visit projects and then we want to run a marathon in trails and it's beautiful at that point people either got it or they really didn't get it you just got these blank stares being like okay i offer tricks to dolpo region i offer tricks. <laughs> okay um these these two people, Lily, um, Lily and Benedicto, um, just really got it. And next thing they were like, when, you know, come out and visit. And I was like, well, I'm in Colombia in two weeks time. Should I pop up and see you? Like, yeah. Um, and then I met a chap called Victor Juarez and Victor just sort of introduced me, took me all over the country trying to find the perfect place. Couldn't really do it. We've got about 90 percent there all the time. And so each country, those three three countries in the first year were all really super, super different. And then now it's totally different, right? Because when we started up the, the race in Jordan, because of what we've built up over these five years, because people can see what we've we've the, what the platform is capable of, suddenly in Jordan, my first meeting was with the Minister of Tourism. And then I was able to work with the Crown Prince Foundation to, to work out what are the best projects to select for this concept. And so, you know, there's... The, it, from landing in country with just me in a backpack going cool i'm just going to hit the emails and see what happens to landing in country with someone going right we've got tomorrow morning we've got the motion tourism then we're going to talk to you know toyota about you know sponsor all of those things like cool you know that's where we wanted to be um and i thought we'd probably be there in 2017 but it took till 2020 before we kind of got to that point but yeah that's yeah yeah amazing but yeah exactly and i guess that's like you say, that's what happens connections wise. You do more things, you take the little steps and they always lead to, you know, 10, like they said, 10 more connections, 10 more connections. And you just Completely. need one of those every so often to be, I guess, a big one, an influential one. And suddenly it opens an awful lot of doors. Off the back Absolutely. Of that. Yeah, yeah, completely. And and, and and that works really well. And, and that's that's what's great is, right, that's transposable across any country in the world any country in the world there's there's always someone in that and and especially in trail running or even just in travel or even just in in social work right most countries there's that one person you know in nepal it's jimmy ustrom who works at the undp but also has done so much for trail running once jimmy started it took a couple of years for jimmy to really like connect with us but once jimmy's involved everything else can like he 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 knows how to take care of the other stuff and he knows how to like support so it takes some time to build up the trust and the relationship but once you find those kind of people the world of trail running in most countries is pretty small yeah 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 nice so i guess um 
tell us a bit more about Impact Nick then. So just I guess for people who aren't familiar with the with the business and, and what you do, just give us a quick overview of the the model and and yeah how it works and I guess where you know where you are and where you run things at the moment. So the model well is shifting at the moment, but um the sort of the model that we've had for the first five years um very much the case that we we basically take people out for one week. As I said before, we build this pop-up athletes vintage um, somewhere stunning, somewhere you'd never normally go, somewhere that just takes you a bit out of their comfort zone and creates this sense of community. So we, we go, we, we live in the athletes village. We then spend three, four days in the community, visiting projects, supporting projects. Sometimes there's hands-on work. Sometimes it's more listening and learning. Sometimes it's, it's where we... Um, more and more we've gone to the community called this is the platform what what do you want us like where do we actually have a skill set right because there's no point building something as we're not skilled builders but what we do have is the money to pay local skilled builders to build something right what we can then do is learn or create energy and event and and you know even just having an event like this having a race in the village of Kakani in Nepal brings 200 300 people up from Kathmandu to run that that fills up guest houses that makes the restaurants full right this is all about kind of all the different levels of what is impact so we spend a, a week visiting projects working at projects um yeah every so often we might throw in a bit of a tourist thing um I try not to, but sometimes it's too tempting. Uh, so in Jordan, we're driving past Petra. It seems obtuse of me not to let everybody get out and go see Petra. Yeah. I'm trying to avoid it, but I couldn't. Um, and so, <laughs> and then next up, um, we have a bit of time off and then race day where all of the trail running community for that country then comes and, and joins in that race. And we have a big celebration race, uh, 10 kilometer, 21 kilometer or 42. So it's not always the full marathon for those who don't want to, who aren't the biggest runners. Um, and we have this incredible group from across the world um, that comes together for one week, one moment to take on one cause. And each race ties in with one of the sustainable development goals. And that's our focus point. So in Nepal, it's about gender inequality. In in Jordan, it's about water and sanitation. And so we then go and find the projects that are at the front line of that global goal and go and, you know, support them with, you know, fundraising, with storytelling, with the platform to network, you know, within our, our community, we've got, it's, you know, we've got one man who uh, he, he likes to recruit from the impact community so he's just like i love going to impact marathons because i always find new new people to run companies or businesses for me like you know so wow you know he he comes for that for the network alone and so but also for the charity's perspective they're getting to tap into this network and they're getting this chance to tell a story and 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 we work with kind of pretty much local organizations so this is a really big opportunity to you've got two three days with 50 50 people who have uh within it the power to make a difference in the lives of others and, and and yeah so that's pretty much it and then yeah race day and then we go home after after a bit of a party yeah the, the party doesn't always the party i always talk about but 50 percent of the time everyone's shattered and it's just chilling yeah just like, the party is just like having a beer and just just zoning out into the surrealness of what just happened that day every so often yeah. there's a big party and dancing but most of the time and i'm shattered anyway i'm just like <laughs> 
Yeah, I bet. I mean, I've been there at the end, yeah, at the end of a marathon and, yeah, sort of basically just curled up in a ball on the floor in a field and you're just like, oh, I'll go to sleep now. Someone's trying to give me a beer. <laughs> like Someone comes to the finishing line. Would you like to sob gently or have a beer? Sob gently. Okay, this way. You can sob gently. <laughs> yeah, very nice. Very nice. So, and then you said there's obviously the models changed slightly. I think, I guess locals. You've had locals running historically mm. anyway on in, in the races, haven't you? But then, yeah, it switched a bit more that way recently. Yeah, and that's been something that I've wanted to to see happen. But um, you know, you get so caught up in trying to you know keep the keep the organisation going. You get so caught up in the stresses and strains of the day. We still, you know don't have a particularly big team so you don't always have the freedom and the space to think creatively even if there's something that's just literally staring you there in the face and last year in guatemala which is you know probably the country where we've got most um, in- engagement from the runners um i got lots of messages in the run-up to the week saying I'm really excited about the marathon but we want to be involved in the impact too and at the same time, we have this. Dis- we've been having a discussion for two years about wanting more diversity in the athletes' village. Like, if we're going to have discussions about changing the world, we need to have every country possible in that discussion. We need to have every background possible. We need to have every race possible. We need to have every uh, economic model. Like, we need to have a diverse athletes' village to have a really powerful discussion. Um, so that was in there. And then there was the case of okay, cool. We 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 want to make sure that. We're not just, you know, from a carbon perspective, we don't want to say, okay, cool, come fly all this way just for one run, you know, what kind And so there's so many different factors that all blended into this. And as well, you know, I said at the beginning, the whole goal was to grow lots of races. And actually it does take about a year, year and a half to build up a race. And so that kind of hamstrings us in that respect. And we didn't want that to, to be that anymore. So we've still got the the week long thing is, you know, as and when it's possible for us to all travel freely and, and all of these things, and it, it will benefit the community. Then we've, we've got all of the races lined up and, and hopefully the back end of this year is going to be super, super busy, um, which is great. But in amongst this uh, with the Guatemala race, um, we wanted to try and do something different and make sure the race could still go on because you can socially distance a race it's really possible to especially trial running right you're nowhere near anybody most of the time (laughs) and that's what's great about it um but the guatemalan team was just like look we want to put the race on can 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 we do it and um but we we didn't want to lose that impact side i didn't want to just do a race because that's not what we're about we didn't set up to be that we wanted to empower people so then we came up with this idea that actually what if we could do this over two days what if we could do one day where where um it's all around the impact just like a all the greatness of an impact week crammed into two days but driven by the local team designed for the local runners and actually saying cool it's time for like like impact should be about guatemalans and central americans supporting central american programs um and if we can untap that that it opens up fundraising to a different level it opens up so many different things and then if you extrapolate it to the future you've got if you still have the international week long thing there, everybody then everybody running has interacted with that social goal with that global goal in this respect. 
and then it's a really beautiful thing so so that's kind of how the the x impact series was born was really just saying cool how do we how do we condense everything that's great about impact week because all of the all of the trail runners in guatemala say that this race is different the atmosphere is different the energy is different and we've got that feedback from every single race there's something different and the the difference is that everyone's not running because it's a race and they want a medal they're running because yeah. they want to be part of something bigger and there's a, and there's this this really amazing thing and then there's the little things that we do the the way that we handle the aid stations it feels like you've just come home like it feels really nice and we've always got like really engaged people at each of the aid stations those kind of things are all what make it really special and we wanted to see can we do that over two days instead of a whole week um as well as yeah and, and you've talked about the you know the power of community and like i guess how you know how much benefit that has from a business perspective as well because i think mm. well, again when we spoke briefly before and you said you know if someone's going on a holiday to spain to sit on the beach then if your taxi's slightly late then you're furious and every, you know <laughs> you took your toys out the pram yeah. whereas if you go into an event like this where there is that sense of community and people are going towards a course then you, you've almost got license for all sorts to go you know to go awry and people yeah. are just all part of it they want to help they want to put the things together and again like you're saying i guess in the kind of locations that you're doing it in mm. there's so many possible things that could go wrong which you could we could come on to maybe some examples of that <laughs> in a minute but uh but yeah that community thing i guess has played a big part in it yeah and and that whole you know we've got an incredible return rate of impact runners and that's something that I think was also part of the whole thing about if you just have the one race, one country, you'll get two or three people who become like aficionados that way. Like, like I'm there every year, and that's great. By having more races, people were like, "Cool, where are we going to go?" And so, if you have a re- we had a really good group in Malawi once, and um, they were just all just going, and then as soon as two or three of them signed up to Guatemala, boom! Suddenly, twenty of them were returning from Malawi to Guatemala and, and it creates this core, but then also it's a super open welcoming group and, and more people um, come into it through that. And so that's what I think is, is really great is there's no, because that impact community has grown really nicely. If there's new people who are at their first impact marathon, they are properly welcomed in. Like everybody's yeah. got that energy. And yeah. So when I think, yeah, this year in Guatemala, literally the, um, we we hired one of the big chicken buses, the camionettas. Um, so in Guatemala, you've got these um, school buses. They paint them up. They t- put a turbo in the engine, and that totally like crazy. Like you, no tourist ever is you know you, as a tourist you're told never travel. And most of my Guatemalan friends would never travel in a camioneta, but it's such a great experience, and that's kind of how the team gets around sometimes anyway as well. That we wanted to give, and you see them on the roads. They look really, they look incredible, and they're so loud and intense and we wanted to have that so we hire out our own chartered one um and yeah that literally we were just going along and the 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 gear lever came out in the guy's hand <laughs> like literally and it was you know it, it, i was driving behind because we've always got the pickup truck for exactly these circumstances i was driving behind and you know it's going along fine it just something wasn't quite right and there was nothing dangerous happening it was just a case of because, you know, as well, we do all the normal things. We risk assess these things. We do the vehicle checks. We check out the vehicles before the race even anyone turns up. We go and visit. We've got quite, yeah, all of these things. But you still can't factor a gear stick just pulling out in a man's hand because these these vehicles are like like this. So they pull up at the side of the road and then the next thing you know, we're kind of um, 
yeah, I was like, well, people need the toilet. So we just got everyone into the pickup truck, took them out to the toilet and everyone's like, and that's it, right? You can do these things in a, you know, especially when we're quite small, we our teams are sort of 50 odd people at each race. You can do things that you wouldn't normally be able to do on a normal tour. And yeah. Uh, and people are up for that adventure which they're they're probably not if they're just yeah. going for a few days in magaluf um you're yeah, not so yeah, up for... yeah the chicken list yeah absolutely i i spent a year in in honduras where yeah, yeah similar setup with all the like you say the old you know the old school buses and having had that experience i'm not overly surprised that gear sticks were falling out of people's hands having <laughs> sat on many of them because they yeah. are old they are old battered up things aren't they <laughs> they really are and so the speed they go around there so when you're on it normally you know that there's that road there's a road that goes from antigua where we live up to guatemala city which is just super windy and they do it like a formula one track and honestly yeah it's like an upper body workout holding onto the seat above you're like full on tense yeah, just looking over and cliff even, edges <laughs> yeah, completely and there's times i mean the first time i got on one the first corner i slid from one side of the bus all the way across the aisle into the next seat that's how far i shifted like, i better hold on then then that's just so that, you know that's why don't go on them don't go on them from a safety yeah, tourist yeah. perspective we're not recommending going on them but um if you can do it safely you can charter your own one you can limit yeah, the amount of things but again even with that we've pulled up to pick up some people and someone's just opened the door and jumped on because they thought it was a normal camionetta <laughs> Uh, no, ah, <laughs> look around. Nice. Like, this feels weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and what have you? I guess have you done anything, Nick, to foster the community? Like, I guess beyond the fact that there is a great cause and, and set up behind it, is there anything in particular you've done that sort of brings those people together regularly, or like anything like that? We we, we don't do enough in a formal way, and we've talked about this a lot because the, you know so much then happens organically afterwards, and we've seen things, and I think you know. A really good example is after this year's race one of one of the chaps on it he he had all all of the big things that can happen in your life happen at the same time as a global pandemic was starting in terms of relationship breakout new job like trying to all of those things and oh yeah and he was moving house so uh, the big three really there girlfriend job and and house straight away who was it who was there it was the impact crew it, you know cool i'll stay at your house cool i did it you know and so suddenly there was this and, that, and that's just really really cool um to have and so there's organic elements of it we've not done nearly enough to kind of foster that we do kind of reunions and global like for all of the races to come to we have those kind of things happening um it's been hamstrung a bit by the fact that i'm very rarely in the uk and then also hamstrung by the fact that actually yeah we've got a huge crew from canada we've got london we've got snippets of america chicago's a mini hub you know so we don't have the chance to do so much but i think it's during that week during that week we set everything the values of what we're doing people have bought into those from a long time before so people are coming knowing that they're going to be in a group of people with shared values people are coming with that openness and then we as a team encourage that and i think things such as you know getting everybody onto the chicken bus i think things I know it sounds silly, but the cold showers in Nepal, nothing bonds people more than a cold shower, right? You know, and it's just that experience, that bit of out of comfort zone, everyone's kind of looking for support from others. And so that naturally does it. So I think the whole experience is very organically around community building. Yeah. Um, and then we just think about things, you know, I'm not the best when it comes to 
booking buses, you can tell. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've got, you know, Mark, Bethany, the ops people, you know, the, they're brilliant and making sure everything is just like really as, as on it as it can be. I spend more of my time focusing on the energy flow. It's, okay, cool. If this is the athletes village, where's where are we going to welcome people? How are we going to what's what's going to happen when people walk into their their tent, their room? How are we going to make them feel that they've come to a place where they're welcome and safe, and they're going to be and and that they can open up and be that person that they can't be in the office or that person they've not been with their family for for twenty years? You know, how do we make people feel that they can be that that person that they know they are inside in this place? So I spend most of my time thinking about that, which makes me sound a bit airy fairy, like, oh yeah, Nick's gonna talk about it. <laughs> and the team always laugh about it, but that's what makes that's what makes the team good, right? They're just taking care of those things and I don't need to worry about it, and I'm taking care of like airy yeah. fairy stuff, well, like energy flow. Yeah. Let's play let's play into that a little bit then, because um I you know, I've I've heard you talk about spending time or taking time to invest in yourself from a like from a leadership point of view mm. so um tell us a bit tell us a bit more about that like if you if you are doing that what what kind of things are you doing to i guess help develop that skill set i mean that, that's just like this constant ongoing thing right as a leader no matter it's, i always think about it from the perspective of, i think it was eddie Merckx, um the tour de france five-time tour de france winner and they said you know when does cycling get easy is it never gets easy it just gets faster and i think that's the case when you're, you're you're growing something you're building something it just gets faster um so you know i think that there's you've always got to find that place where you can be creative and as a as a leader of an organization it's your role to make the tough calls it's there's certain things you can do in admin and all of those things that are helpful and you can quickly do stuff and things like that. But most of the time it's about honing in what is the right decision. Um, and that's about experience, I think. Um, but it's also just about learning and, and just things as simple as, as dedicating time to reading, dedicating time to going out on my long runs, which, which are where all of the best ideas happen. Showers and long runs, right? And most of the time in, in where the, we're living, showers aren't a great thing. So long runs going to have to do. Um, and so um, from a daily perspective, it's like showers. It's like, I don't know why I've got into showers. Showers don't. It's not that sort of a podcast, Nick. Not that sort of a dude. <laughs> showers and long runs. No, long runs. Um, daily meditations, daily, making sure that I'm reading, making sure that. Um, yeah. So if we've got meetings starting at eight o'clock, I will head into town at seven and have breakfast and I'll have a walk. I'll listen to my you know, audio book, have a walk, have my time, to, you know, whether it's emails or just sit there having a coffee and, and my breakfast before then having the team meeting at eight, that sort of thing, making sure that I'm coming in with the right energy every day. And, and that side of things I think is super, super important, but um, yeah, small things like I, you know, if I'll always make sure that I've got my own tent during race week or my own space, because once you're sharing with the team, there's a, there's this element of pressure and you want to have that space to go. Okay, cool. What's happened today? What's the, and think it through without, without that sort of thing. And then there's the, the more strate yeah, strategic stuff. So, you know, I, I taking this time now to, to, to start a master's in international development to really hone in on that ability, that, that social side, how do we effectively deliver social impact and how do we communicate that? Because, if 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 your experience of charity is watching comic relief then that's there's nothing wrong with that just just to make that clear but it is a it is one element of what it is to make an impact um 
And so what we're trying to do, and potentially it sort of almost hamstrings us because we're really trying to get that level of what is the best way to have an impact right. It's really quick and easy to say, cool, we're going to go and you know build a, a new toilet at a school. But again, is that really the best way to have an impact? No. Yeah. This year in Guatemala, so I've gone off topic here. I'm going to put it back in, and we can talk about yeah, that right. stuff in, uh, later. But, but so so you know that's that element of okay, cool. I really want to be understanding of that, and I'm really fired up about that. So regularly taking courses um, and regularly developing myself on a on a strategic level, as well as the daily habits that help you sort of stay energized and positive. And the one thing one thing for sure over over five six years of doing this is if if you are as a, as a leader are on fire and energized and buzzing and excited that's exactly what the organization will be if you're not if you're feeling insecure if you're feeling worried if it, that will also permeate through not just the organization but the people who are around the organization um and so when you're talking to people on a zoom call and you're not at your best energy then impact's not going to be at its best energy either um so yeah even just taking the time before just click because we, we're so obsessed right now with zoom right we just click it we're on to the next one run to the next one i'm like spending like consciously spending one minute before every zoom just breathing meditating visualizing feeling excited and getting that energy level up in myself otherwise we're just sat here and it's pretty boring you know lots of people aren't moving yeah. around to different places I, I you know even within their house you kind of after about three weeks of sat at the same desk it's like oh man i, I want to be somewhere else so you know but that time to just re-energize and get excited and be like cool what do i want to come from this like i've got a call now with tom how do i want you know tom to feel whilst having a call with me what do i want that to feel like that time that one minute that's all it is even if i'm late for a call cool if i'm already late one minute's not gonna make a difference like just take that one minute to 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 calm yourself and then energize yourself and then go for it because you know yeah. no one else is going to do that no one else is going to do that for you um and when you're setting up and you're a solopreneur or when you've got a small team or i guess even when you've got a, a, a huge team it's still the same right you've got to come in and be and be the energy that you want your organization to be known for yeah love it love it um yeah i've i've um tried to bring in some like watching watching comedy and things like that if, mm. you know to you know just for, like little five minute snippets of something that, again like in between calls or that kind of thing to to switch out into a you know a happy place because like you say it's you know obviously at the moment in particular it's it's very hard to fight all the battles and not get bogged down into the you know minutiae of the small issues uh even when there's lots of bigger exciting things going on. those little things if you think about when you were you you had an office with people in it and all that sort of thing you'd finish a call let's say you're on a normal call you finish that and you would then chat to someone about that call or you'd throw that idea or someone would take the take the mick out of you for saying something ridiculous on that call right there was that little like um secondary social benefits that came from being around people that now you come off a call cool i'll I'll go and get a coffee i guess might pat the dog you know and it's like okay cool we need to we need to actively go beyond that because you can do that for a month you can do it for we've all been doing it what 10 11 months now you know and this is probably longer by the time this goes out i believe so yeah you know it'll be, it'll be over a year in fact by the time people listen to this since we've been we've been experienced in this world and yeah 
as we saw, each lockdown in particular has got a little bit harder in terms of, OK, yeah, we're now more prepared for it. We're not so worried about the actual what we can and can't do and all those stuff. But you felt like this general kind of energy levels of the nation have dropped each time. Um, yeah. And it's up to us as the people who are leaders, the people who are energetic people to go, cool, what more can we do to stay to stay and keep energizing these things because otherwise it, you know it, it can get super super difficult um yeah 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 like like it um so, so and then just feeding that into some of the things you said there with obviously having staff around the world like mm. how have you how have you gone about growing the team you know how has that process of recruiting people happened how do you find the experience of you know people being around the world i guess it's yeah, everyone's getting used to the Zoom lifestyle and, and stuff running the business, but I guess that's just the norm if you're, you know, it's opening a lot of people's eyes to the opportunity of remote, you know, remoteness. But how, how yeah. do you find that? How have you gone about setting that up? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's it's, it's funny because obviously like Zoom meetings and WhatsApp calling, you know, this this stuff of running an organization that way has been how we've been doing it year from for five years. And there's times when I remember one time I was on a conference call to columbia whilst hitchhiking in the back of a pickup truck in nepal literally via via the signal right so that norm has been like that for quite some time but being fixed in one place has been slightly different um in terms of the team as as was before you know i've i've tried to find a way to kind of create a blueprint that's replicable about different countries but the fact is is that it's particularly in the countries we're working in it's there's not always a really easily replicable model and so even by the shape of the week um, in Nepal, we have a night in Kathmandu. Then we have to like literally hike to get to the village and then the village take care of it from there. So how do you manage operations with the team up in a village with really, really, really limited signal? OK, cool. So those kind of things are all all super different every time we try and um, in each country. So most of the time. It starts with the organization, the charity. Once we've found a really strong organization, a really strong charity, a really strong network and partner, normally someone from in that world, and it, it never comes, it's never like super obvious at the beginning, becomes like the main person, the person who just gets it, who gets on. So in, in Guatemala, we've got Pablo. Pablo was, was working as a guide for our logistics operator in, in year one. And he also was just really good at photography. So they're like, look, we've got we've got a guide who's really good at photography. You know, do you want him as your photographer? Like, yeah. And he came in and oh, my goodness, like nice to, to this day. He's too nice. I, 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 I find it distressing how nice he is. Um, <laughs> and it really frustrates me. I, probably this good. Uh, um, but he's just brilliant. Right. He just gets it, you know, super, you know, perfect bilingual, all of these things. And then we've brought on someone new, Jackie, who's who's race director this year. And she's just um you know she was a race director in another race and so i think we're looking for people with experience in in delivering races that we can who are looking for an opportunity to do it on a on a more global level with a bit more support um but they understand the the basic stuff of how to put on a race but things like the the you know the getting more people involved um yeah all of those different things and they want to up their game that's the right person for us someone who's like got experience but now wants to up their game and wants to have an opportunity yeah. to potentially you know and and we want to grow more races around Central America. So that team that's like that little hub that's building in Guatemala, great. Well, actually, Honduras would be a really, really cool place for an impact marathon. We should chat. Um, yeah, and so yeah. <laughs> and we want to build those up. And so we want to, like these 
people that we've got in each area we've got um manoj khaki in in nepal and you know he's just you know I, and the whole team would say he's more talented than any of our team right he is unbelievably good you can put him trying to solve how to put up a tent or you can put him being diplomatic with the national park who are saying nope we're banning running races this year what doing that no manoj will go and solve that and he will do it in a way that's like within the values right he's not going to go in there and slam down his book and start screaming and shouting right he's going to go and sit and have teas for three hours and solve it and so you know you have these people who just are the right people with the right values and over two or three years of working with us as as members of the team we're trying to what we're doing now is really focusing on training them up to now lead that race themselves and so they generally come from kind of the the circle you have already so is it is it or, or are you going out and finding them particularly do they do are they almost coming to you because they hear about impact in the part of the community honestly they come from like like um Minaj, for instance was interning at, at the operator that we were we were doing the buses and stuff with and they were you know he just got more and more involved and um, there was another one year one kelsey actually it was really early on we were i was a few days into Nepal and and they were we've got an intern at the moment called kelsang and honestly you know business isn't very good we don't have a lot of work for her at the moment uh can you know so she's yours and i was like okay i walk in and she's just there yeah. uh, i don't i don't know what to do i've got a nepali intern this is great but i have no idea like what to do and um <laughs> like i couldn't tell you know we went we, she came out did a meeting with me and i couldn't tell whether she was totally rubbish or totally brilliant i really couldn't and um well to this day she's totally brilliant and and actually through impact I, I got to write the reference for her to go study in, in a Canadian university. And it was the easiest reference in the world to write because wow. I, 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 she, she, you know, there's so much talent in each of the countries that we're in. If my, my ability to write a reference is, can, can open up a door like that, then that's, that goes far and above anything we can, you know, we pay anything in terms of it. So it's like, we can open up, connections like that that's really exciting to me yeah. so yeah kelsang nikki uh nikki <laughs> i call him nikki i shouldn't call him nikki his, his name is minaj but early on i called him nikki minaj and it was a joke and it kept on going and then he's <laughs> even on his instagram he's nikki minaj and i feel really bad because it's like it's, it's like that's not his name his name is minaj but in his mind it's still nikki um <laughs> he's amazing if he's hey, if he's using it himself that, that's got to be a good sign no, it's yeah, no, he fully like like he has it as AKA Nikki on his Instagram, like all good. But I feel like it's it's pretty like it was a joke. It was just one joke that's gone too far, and I want him to be known as Minaj because that's his name. Um, and then you know Pablo and Jackie. So so in each country again, people just come to the fore who 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 just buy into what we're doing and want to be part of it, and and also see an opportunity in it. And I think that that's important, right? Um, I know that that you know jackie really wants to be helping us set up more races right that's definitely a goal of hers okay cool right that's that's great it's good to know what people's motivations are when you bring them on if it is that yeah. you want to connect and be able to have connections so that you can travel abroad and and, and do things because visas are really crippling for nepalis then that's great that's cool like we're really open it doesn't matter as long as we know what your motivation is we're going to find a way to empower you to achieve that and i think that that's yeah. the heart of the team um and and yeah. mark who was who was doing our operations for for three four years that was his whole goal was how do we train up people you know we want this team if we want an athlete's village that's diverse we need a team that's diverse and at the end of the first few races the photo was eight white people in nepal having put on a race it's cool yeah 
but that's not the goal of what impact is and so we have to like actively because it's easy right there's always someone messaging saying cool i want to come out and help on your race and you know that you're going to get someone you know nine times out of ten we get someone who's really good who buries himself for the team but firstly like that's not again not a carbon efficient way of doing it to fly out eight people it's not a financially efficient way of doing it and it's also not what the race is meant to be about but it's hard to to make sure that that, that certainly and we and early on we gave away too much too much too soon and we had a couple of like two races in 2017 where there was too much on the operator and it was you know it didn't deliver to the way that we wanted it to deliver and so that 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 was one of the lessons that we learned it just takes time to build people through and and make sure that everything's happening from a health and safety perspective and nothing else right yeah yeah i think definitely you know it's one of those things in a small business is you have the it's like balancing the challenge of wanting to deliver on all those things but i guess understanding that you can't deliver on all of them simultaneously and mm. it's it's kind of like how do you yeah how do you build towards that vision that you've got to Im- yeah. to implement those things so not forgetting about them but at the same time you know if, if you like you say if you swing too far one way then it might cripple the business and the business not be successful and then you then you don't achieve all those things that you could achieve down the line um, yeah. and yeah. i guess from a you know i can sort of from where we are at the moment as well like empathize with that feeling of you know you 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 want to do all those things and there's very there's big goals of where we're going and what we can do with it and having that kind of at the forefront of the consideration when when you're doing it but realizing that you know when you're a team of five or ten that you know that's not in a in a you know for us in a little town in in yorkshire it's you know mm. it can be it can be tricky doing those things and uh, but if you create something that is successful and does grow then it kind of opens up all those opportunities to you mm. know to do more yeah absolutely um so so let's let's switch it up then to you know you touched on marketing a bit earlier nick so mm. let's talk about your marketing and i guess things that Anything in particular that has worked extremely effectively for you? Anything that you've tried that hasn't worked well at all? Where's, where have you kind of got the best bang for your buck, do you think? I, you know, it's cliche, but it's true is that, you know, word of mouth, right? The people that bring their friends and they come to one race and they come back with 10 the next time, you know, um, that's absolutely like the only effective and consistent way right because you can you can spend on facebook but at some point they'll change the algorithm or apple will come out and say cool we're gonna we're gonna block it so you can't track anybody right <laughs> suddenly the whole facebook system is like okay cool well how do we how do we do this effectively um but yeah like um advertising directly on facebook has been you know strong for us um particularly when we got some people on board who were really really smart on that side of things um on on how to uh, how to get the most most out of every pound you spend on on social media advertising so they've been brilliant and that's definitely helped um so i would say that the, yeah the best thing is word of mouth um we've done some influencer marketing um we'd like to do more of that um but on the right terms and uh we've we've oft, we've very much done it from again from an organic perspective saying come and tell your story we're not expecting you to you know we're not saying cool if you get five people you have to come and you know you you, you get a free place nothing like that it's like just tell your story don't have to promote it just super super organic and that that has a pro and a con to it because you know maybe you don't get as as much engagement through that kind of like that influencer push 
but also you 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 then at least get a really genuine story out of the back of it and i think it's mm. so important um particularly with the uh the general attitude towards the influencer market itself um the more organic the better anything that feels too paid or forced or faked is like not it so we don't we don't pay someone to come on one of our trips because they're going to get an incredible trip and it's going to change their life so if yeah. and if they really want that then they're probably the wrong person to work with us um yeah so that's been really effective and then just yeah tapping into other you know partnerships uh we, we partnered early on with street child um who have their race in sierra leone and they brought you know 28 people to that first race in nepal which was huge for us as an organization in our first year that was amazing um so real mix of things i would say the only really really effective thing has been the fact that our I always went with the kind of field of dreams approach of build it and they will come, um, which is a painful approach over two or three years. But I think over 10 or 15 years is a really good approach. I, I, I'm convinced of that. I keep telling yeah, myself. Yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, I, to I totally agree. I think the, and I'll, I'll probably come to this mm. in, a, in a little while, but, you know, when you have, uh, you know, it all depends on what you're building. And if you are building something that is good and the product, the service, the thing that you offer is amazing and then you throw in a cause behind it and something you're trying to do, which is also amazing, then you have so much more scope to lean on that kind of attitude. Whereas mm. I think a lot, of, a lot of people have that attitude, but they don't <clears throat> create an amazing thing and they don't have a cause that they're pushing towards. And mm that generally falls flat on his face if, 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 if you take when, that kind when of When you're looking at people to work with, um, do you do you really kind of vet that out as well? When you're going to support people, whether it's SEO or marketing or, or PR, you know, how do you start to vet out the people who have got a genuine, like they're going to see through their values to the to the nth degree or those going, ah, oh, cool, you know, I'm going to try this out kind of thing? As, as much as we can. I mean, it's, um, you know, uh, you know, again, my I'm the person who speaks to people from a in, you know kind of in the sales process in the run up to to the starting with us, and I'm always as honest and kind of frank with them as I can be when I start. And it kind of depends what they want. If they just purely want SEO stuff, then you can get away without that a little bit, and there's things that we can do without it. But then once we start bolting on things like PR or social and or email or things like that, mm. you know, the more the story that you have within it becomes more and more influential so you know we try to sort of give people ideas and nudge them in that in that sort of direction obviously mm -hmm. some people are more receptive to it than others and you've got to you know kind of find the balance between saying no we're, we'll only work with people who are have a yeah. fantastic story behind them versus you know if you don't we're not going to do something I think you know we have we've had it with people where they've come on and they're not maybe not interested in that kind of conversation earlier on but as they build their relationship mm. with us and they see the success that they have they become more open to those kind of things where we you know we might be suggesting something that three six months earlier to them would have sounded wacky and they would have closed off straight away whereas you know by that point they think oh i can see the potential of this because you mentioned things like influencer marketing or social media yeah. so you know if people potentially have either been stung by it or they just don't believe in it and you know i think coming from a fresh blank relationship yeah. uh, trying to convince them otherwise is is quite a tricky thing but you can you know you can take steps towards that and start to you know start to ease into it over time yeah and 
Like, how do you talk talk through? Because this is something that, that okay, I'm quite interested in, in this side yeah, of things. You, right. you're, you're an expert, right? You're the expert in marketing. I'm, I'm, you know, I just have a passion for this, right? Um, because you know, that's one of the definite things that I've 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 struggled with from a marketing perspective is when something hasn't worked. Influencer marketing is a really good example. I, you know, I had one person who literally a week before she was meant to fly out was like, "I'm really tired. I need to spend some time to center myself." So I'm not going to, and I, I can't get the flight back. Now it was awful. It was a third of our budget for that year. We were doing it was tough, right? Wow. And so, like, how do you guide people through a not making that mistake in the first place? But as you know, marketing, some things work, some things don't. You know, every marketing person has always said to me about trial and error as part of the part of it. How do you kind of work through that with 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 the guys you work with? Yeah, I think same, similar as, as you've said there, Nick, that the, again, being kind of transparent at the start where, you know, particularly when we're talking about PR type things that, you know, if you're running a campaign that is creative in its nature and you're going and pitching it to journalists, there's no guarantee as to what, what kind of coverage might come off. You might run something, two things that are exactly the same and, on you know, in February that thing lands and is fantastic, but you run it in November and it just falls on its face and there's yeah. no obvious reason why that is it's just you know maybe the news agenda was very busy in that it sees in that period and people were in it but maybe the reason that the thing picked up in february was because one core publication decided to run it and then off the back of that everything got picked up and that didn't happen in the november one so there's all sorts of things like that I, you know i always try when we talk about doing it is to get people on board with the kind of spreading the risk idea and that we're not putting all the eggs in one basket it's you know, if we, like with our creative campaigns, we run them one, we, we run four over the course of a year. So every, every quarter when running a, a campaign and there might be one or two that don't do brilliantly well, but mm. you just need one of them to really hit the mark and you get lots and lots of benefit off that. So um, it's it's kind of giving yourself the chance to fail. So because when the one hits the mark, you will still get more than your return on investment across yeah. the across the four that you do. Um, go at the influencer thing I mean is, is a really tricky one I think it's just about building that relationship and that trust with people ahead of time and mm. making sure you pick the right person and that's obviously far easier said than done um, yeah. and it's not something we've done a huge amount of to be honest I think but whenever we're doing it it's just the, the thing to be super wary of is I would always look for someone who is like complete has lots of engagement and is very specific to you so you know that their audience is your audience mm -hmm. rather than someone i think a lot of people sort of think are oh, i'll just get someone off towie who because they've yeah. got a million followers and they just sort of chuck everything at that and uh i'd rather have someone dave dave Cornthwaite is a great example of this actually where yeah uh, you know you compare him to some other people in, in that kind of space he's got a big following but it's not like a ridiculously big following but yeah they are so engaged they will literally yeah. walk after, off a cliff after dave if he, you know if he's doing yes, something right, it's like cult like that. it is cult like <laughs> yeah absolutely so so someone like him you can almost yeah you can almost guarantee that if a, a sponsor gives him some gear and he wears yeah. it that everyone will be like oh look dave's got that gear so they will yeah. go and buy it so that's there's some of the kind of pitfalls but mm. you know i think exactly as you put it just being being aware and being prepared and ready for the fact that some of them won't work and then yeah. you're just honing on the ones that do. I mean, you've, you've talked, uh, you, you mentioned word of mouth there. I guess the 
how have you again like how have you cultivated that word of mouth i know uh, like storytelling and like the instagram side of things have been quite effective for you i i think yeah. so how how did that come about is that something that just naturally happened or was it sort of strategic thing yeah i th- I, th- I think the fact is is that it's a really unique event right there's not a lot of marathons out there you know to be honest there's sierra leone and there's uganda and then that's pretty much it in terms of ones where you'll go out for a week and all of the different things and, and that social impact and that that combination. So if someone's signing up to run on a live volcano in Guatemala, they're going to talk about it because it's flipping cool. And yeah. and so I think part of it is just like where we pick, you know, we want to pick an iconic race route um, somewhere that people are going to want to talk about. And then the whole everything else, it comes back to those values which then comes back to that, okay, build it and they will come approach of create something really, really strong, for, you know, and I focus everything on an Ethereum. I think as well, there's this element of real responsibility, right? Because I'm there through the week. I'm chatting to all of the people on this trip all the time. So when it's not good or when it's not going well, or isn't it, I'm like on the front line experiencing it and feeling it which puts him you know i probably take on too much pressure on myself about that because screw it everyone's there by their own free will you know you know they're there to have a good time right but you still i'm always thinking about that and so i think that people buy into the care and attention that we put into it because they get to know the team throughout the whole week and they you know we're there on the course you know and when someone's really really struggling and they come past then yeah there's a good chance they they're gonna get a sweaty you know give me a sweaty hug and it's gonna and i you know and but also we've been on this journey i know that the reason that person is running is because of xyz and i can say those things to that person at that point um and they can see that care and attention and they can and so that's pretty much where it is and then you feel part of that community and it really works nicely so i i I don't think there's anything specific we've done to encourage it in fact we've never really done the bring a friend get 50 pound offer type of thing um because that's not that that we well we tested it and it doesn't make a difference people will either recommend their friends or they won't right like they won't if people are into impact they're not going to recommend their friend to say 50 pounds because they're already going to be spending however much they're spending on impact marathon so and they're already in on it so it really comes from the values and that value is focused on creating something genuinely powerful genuinely um, like awesome rail trail route and, and and really focus on that energy and that atmosphere then it just comes um and has just come and people come there's what one chap joe who came to our first ever race and um the reason we have such a big following in canada is single-handedly down to him you know second night yeah second night here he just pulled me aside and said nick i i get everything you're trying to do here i'm all in and then next thing you know he's bringing 20 people to guatemala the year later um and then he brought another 20 to malawi and then he brought another 20 to guatemala and it's just like that's that's what he's brought and then those people have all you know from there we get you know incredible you know scott and jen who then went and got loads of money from the company to 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 then be donating to directly to the organizations throughout the year and they're bringing more so so yeah it's just super organic and then just the friendships and living nomadically also helps because i can be like cool i'm gonna be in ottawa next week anybody you know and then then i've always got a place to live now which is great Yeah, nice, absolutely. I certainly, so, so, I mean that. You know, again, just tying exactly what you said. Like the having, having, and you can look at this for you. I guess it is. It's kind of the values and and the thing that you offer. 
that almost in and of itself, because the asset is so good, mm. you almost it does it does sell itself. Book them, they will come. Like build it, they will come. It's uh, yeah, that 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 happens for itself. I, I guess you know the the for other businesses who are listening, you know, there's obviously a push to potentially try to incorporate something like that into what they're doing mm. in a genuine in a genuine way. But I think the other side of that is, you know, not from a from a content point of view or create some sort of asset at the center of what it is that you do rather than just, mm. you know, if you're a tour operator or an accommodation site or, you know, something like that, that you have, you're just sitting and relying on the fact that that's your business doesn't give you much. It makes the marketing so much harder. Like you have yeah. to pedal twice as fast to get the same results. Whereas if you have something really valuable at the core of what you do, then everything yeah. sort of flies. And keep, I think also just keeping that voice there. Like we've, we don't try and be too professional on our Instagram, you know, because that's like we're really good at what we do. But yeah, there's there's crap happening behind the scenes sometimes, and we're not going to shy away from showing. Like, blimey, you know, we just found hippos on the course. We're gonna have to reroute this. Yeah, you know, whatever it is. So, and throughout the year as well, yeah, just bringing people into the different characters in the team and giving people that 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 connection to us as individuals. Like, we're not a corporate. We're not like you within our social channel and our marketing channels, we're still going to be us. Um, because when you sign up, you're going to get a message from Bethany. You're going to get probably have a question about fundraising. So you're going to come to me. There's no like, you've got direct access to all of us. And during, during the week, we're all going to, I'm going to be taking cold showers, with, like not with you, obviously, but I'm going to be taking cold showers <laughs> as well, right? Here we go again. <laughs> it is with the shower again. <laughs> what is it with this? <laughs> goodness me people are gonna really think um, i think this is gonna be the title the title of the podcast <laughs> how cold how showers can work for you <laughs> <laughs> the benefit of showers and um, great ideas <laughs> no um so you know we're in that same we're in it together and actually when it comes to the projects we also you know we we hand over to the community to decide what's happening and to organize it. So if the first hour of a project, nearly nine times out of 10, the first hour of a project is super awkward. It just is. And I can't, there's nothing I've ever found to be able to do that apart from just tell everyone, look, first hour, you're probably going, you know, it's going to be a bit awkward. Even when you just do a project visit, you walk into a hospital or something like that. Let's say we're visiting a hospital. It's, it's awkward. It, it is that doesn't mean the story's not powerful that doesn't mean we're not going to learn from this yeah. but that just that physical awkwardness of being somewhere that we don't quite know how to act do we sit here do we stand do i how do i put scrubs on whatever it is there's an awkwardness and i'm experiencing that with everybody and we as a team have said like it's not our story to tell in terms of the challenges facing guatemalans that's the guatemalan story to tell it's not my story to tell I can add some context to it. I can share my experiences through it. But the core of the story is going to be told by Sarah, Abby, and, and, and the team, and, and, and the Guatemalan team, right? They're the ones telling their story, and we need to give them that space to do it. And so because of that, when we go to a project, I'm always trying to work out, okay, you know, if it's a hands-on project in particular, I don't know how to dig a pipeline, but I'm working it out, and then we work it out together and that's part of it. Okay. It's like that team yeah. experience of, okay, cool. Well, if that's happening there, it's the same. And so we, we, by being in it with everybody, like we know we're really good at certain things 
and you know come race day we know we've got a really brilliant team and and all of that's taken care of and we work with great doctors and all you know and we know that through the week we've done all the risk assessments we've thought about this yeah everything's there okay. but then when it comes to yeah when we're going to visit a project yeah we're i'm 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 with you i'm sat with you listening and learning as well and i'm not trying to sort of differentiate myself there um, and i think that's that's quite an important part of that and we let that show in our marketing channels we let that show with our with our our instagram stories is is we're giving people an insight into the team as well and and what we're trying to achieve and different things and not try and be too slick yeah. and professional not over worry on that because you can yeah. you can get perfection yeah. can get in the way of the good right yeah yeah absolutely and i think it has the opposite effect you know when it starts to look too slick it, you know people don't believe it as much versus they're like on the ground realistic look so yeah yeah so, totally i totally agree with that it's so you know i i think the you know we're, we're we're coming to coming to the end so i've got a couple of a couple of last questions i think the as you know like the the sort of mission based message um you know i'm sort of enthusiastic about that and from following you know following you and some of the people um who have done similar things has prompted us to you know roll out the thing we're doing uh from 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 april where we're giving mm. giving all, all the profit away to, to good causes and you know the a lot of it is driven by that kind of that kind of thing it's like it's not a we want to make an impact we want to you know we want to think you know we've asked the question of what i'm doing why are we doing this and mm. up until now we've it's, that's been a bit of a gap and it's just been a bit of an empty hole where you know i didn't really have the answer and i think that's one of the things that's happened through mm. uh you know through the pandemic is it's made me look at it and say what's you know on a long run I, I ironically as you mentioned i was out on <laughs> not, a a shower, on though, not a shower though not a shower yeah run. not a sh not a shower <laughs> no um one of the two always but it's um yeah it, it it you know it hit me then and i was like oh i think i think this is a way that we could do it and we could switch the model and you know so that's very much motivated about going and, and having impact and doing really good stuff but i'm i'm very aware of the fact that it gives us more stuff to talk about and mm. great things to talk about with other you know potential clients and marketing and all that and all that kind of thing and it's not a you know it's not in a kind of horrible cynical way it's just a, yeah. a natural effect of of the fact that we've got something like that at our core rather than just being your run-of-the-mill marketing agency that mm. the owner wants to pocket as much cash as they as they possibly can so i think to, to kind of close out on that side of things the how how do you go about choosing where you go next kind of what causes to support where yeah. what yeah what what drives that it's uh, i mean it's is a lot of the big reason why i decided to go back to to studying and to to kind of focusing on it if if it, we we won't go somewhere we won't start a new race unless we believe we can have a genuine and powerful social impact you know on a deeper level you've got to question what does having a social impact mean because you know if we just put on a race that brought loads of money to that community that would be a social impact right that that would would be that but that's not you know we want to have a deeper level a, a discuss a, a discursive piece around the future of that community that region that country whatever it whatever it is within the the remits of that race um so we've we started at the very very beginning we actually i went full-time in september 2015 that's when the sustainable development goals were announced by the un and these goals for the next 15 years and it just became the most obvious thing in the world well obviously you know we ended up being kind of pretty much the first organization to have the global goals at our core because just by chance we set up at the same time um 
and so everything was like okay cool we're going to focus on global goals per race um over time that that didn't quite work and then again we've brought it back and said well no that every go every race needs to have a global goal we need to focus on that one thing because otherwise you can there's always more great organizations that you want to support and every time i have a meeting with an organization it's like i really want to find a way to support these but if you try oh. like if you try and support lots of different things you end up supporting nobody that well you know our first year yeah. in nepal we had nine organizations we were supporting now we've got two we're writing much better checks it's worth their time to invest in impact because we're asking them to come and spend a day or two of their time telling their story that there's a cost to that for the organization there's a time cost to that there's a there's an opportunity cost to that so we need to make that super worthwhile so honing in and just saying and, and limiting ourselves is definitely where we we want to go and i remember you know you you when we talked last it's about you know education was something that was really important to you and it's like okay cool there are loads of different ways of looking at education right but you just need to for us it's in each race right each race needs to focus on it and focus only on one or two organizations and not try and shoot the lights out and not try and help everybody because that way you help nobody and so um how we select the organizations uh is di again different in each country um in in jordan as i said we went straight to crown prince foundation we said this is what we're doing uh, who's the best organization for us to work with okay cool and it ended up with green in the desert which was a incredible setup which is using permaculture and natural farming techniques in order to they literally are growing this lush uh, outcrops in places where it's 50 degrees celsius with limited rainfall below uh, you know below sea level and he's like where's the where's the where's the best place in the world i can possibly find a place to show that permaculture works okay i'll go to the worst place in the world to grow something and then they've done it and so we're working with those and actually in my first reading when i started my master's first reading green in the desert came up as a project in my reading i was like holy crap that's so cool yeah. um wow. so we're getting better at it for sure um but uh, yeah there's no we don't we we haven't blueprinted a strategy really on it um and i think that comes up through throughout this this conversation is the first we just spend time listening, working out who who are the who are the ones leading the biggest issues facing that community. Who are the best organisations? Who's already working there? Um, who understands the community? Because as I said before, like like it's not my place to tell the story, nor is it my place to decide what the community needs. The partners we work with, the charities we work with, they're the ones who are working with the community week in week out. So how, we want to work with those organizations that are listening to the community and responding to the community, taking the time to develop strategies for the community, not saying, cool, this worked over there, so we're going to do it here, but developing strategies for with the community. When we find those organizations, we then do it in a way like anything that comes from the fundraising from Impact Marathon, that's unrestricted. You don't have to build a toilet that says this is the Impact Marathon toilet block, right? Because that's not... That's, that's not that's not what's helping the community we're not saying you've got to spend it this way or that way if you need to spend it on salaries and overheads that's okay because most of the grants you go out for are specific and they tell you where they're yeah, meant to be right. spent and you have to give a project rare. we don't do that because i always wanted to be the kind of grant maker that i would want to be working with as a charity and so the unrestricted funding i think is a super super important thing so often overlooked um in the pursuit of needing to have metric metrics on impact is the, yeah. the overlooking the fact that you want to have, I want them to have really good stuff. I want the office yeah, to be yeah. really well run. 
because if it's not they're ineffective and they'll probably won't be around in four or five years time so that toilet block is not going to get looked after in five years time so we've not really had an impact so it's very complex yeah. basically but community-led community listening to community serving their needs and and then on my side unrestricted funding and we're trying now to get to the point where we can give it unrestricted funding over three years okay so you're going to get this amount for three years as a minimum so they can now plan over three years and not just cool we've got through another year right we need to find our budget again for this year small organizations yeah. need security you need to give them you know if if you own you know if, if we as in our organizations only had one year of funding what does that make you you're thinking about how to survive that year not thinking about what we can do in 10 years and therefore you yeah, it, yeah. it limits your vision yeah absolutely you know, so, so, yeah there's some great stuff in there it's a lot of food for thought for hmm. yeah for me because you know we're obviously very early in that journey and uh, like you say it's it's um it, it, every every step sort of uncovers another another 10 things to yeah. think about and um and take that into account but you know going to one of the things that you know you say a lot and impact say a lot is the whole the, you know the small steps that you know the small steps kind of uh, premise and i think that's something i've tried to take on a lot more recently is rather than trying to get bogged down in the giant thing mm. of, of what it is because otherwise you just get outfaced it's it's like you know let's just do what the next thing is and, and take move it move it forward slightly and then things will start to happen and you adapt to them as that goes on um, and that's and also if you're only you know, taking small what? steps you can take a small step back as well it's not such a big deal yeah 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 absolutely. it's less stressful absolutely. in that respect it's like okay cool that didn't work yeah, cool, yeah let's just go this way then it's fine if you've taken a big yeah, leap and yeah, you jumped yeah. off a cliff there <laughs> yeah yeah tough to recover yeah um are there, are there any other like causes or businesses that inspire you nick any anything else that kind of springs to mind people that inspire yeah organizations that i look around and get inspired by um yeah. you know anyone who's really harnessing the power of sport you know i think um laureus is an organization i really admire that they've got their sport awards but they also kind of do a lot of uh, work in terms of finding the best development you know best organizations out there for using sport for development and you know when i read their impact reports and was just like this is you know they're really like they're really on it so i i'm super impressed with them and their network um i yeah i think you find challenge and inspiration you know going back to you know dave again you know i i i've blown away by what he's built with yes tribe um and just the engagement he has amongst the followings um Sierra Leone Marathon, their fundraising is always off the charts. It's always brilliant the way they can fundraise. So I think you can you can find inspiration from every every different sector. You know, in the ultra running world, Ultra X have just sort of come from nowhere to just be everywhere. And I'm just massively impressed with their marketing as an organization and how they've gone out and just mm. you know, really shaking up the ultra running trail industry um and having the courage to just go out there and and state what they're here for. I admire that. Um run talk run which is a mental health organization run by a girl called jess robson um yeah here in the uk and around the world like what jess has done like talking to her and just seeing the way that she tells her story so organically um and so like you're you're in you know i'm going to i set up to talk about mental health there's going to be some uncomfortable posts in there as well and that yeah, complete yeah. openness and vulnerability has always challenged me to be more open on my own social channels so absolutely everywhere everywhere there's there's some nice uh, you know there's inspiration for sure yeah cool so last question then what um what advice would you give 
to you know if there's someone who's thinking about starting a a travel business of some some shape or form what what advice would you give them i think we at the moment as a as a as an industry we have to be cognizant of the fact that our travel has to have a bigger purpose than just i want to go there because i want to go there is not enough to justify the potential damage it with well not potential the damage that that travel has done right so there's there's bigger things at play there there's technologies that needs to happen in order to make air travel more more sustainable and and the fact is is that travel is is the antidote to racism it is the antidote to close-minded thinking it opens minds it connects humanity like there is a power to travel let's not lose that in the in the pursuit of trying to to avoid traveling you know it's a difficult part of time for the industry, basically, I think, because we've got the issue of carbon. We've got the issue of sustainability. We've got the issue of, um, you know, I just saw this morning, actually, that, that they're going to build a wall around the resorts of Sharm el-Sheikh in Egypt. What the f... I'm sorry, what are we doing? What are we doing? What is the point of traveling to Egypt if I'm going to be in a walled community lying on a... I can do that. I could yeah. I say I could do that down here in Wales. Yeah, sometimes it's hot enough. <laughs> I could lie on a beach down here in Pembrokeshire Wales. But it's just it's like travel the brilliance of travel is in the connections it makes us in our own heads. It helps us see the world differently, it helps us open up thoughts, it helps us discuss stuff, it helps us get out of our comfort zone, it helps all of these things. So how are we as a travel industry going to make sure that every trip we do is is progressing mankind? in a way and 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 but also yeah let's make sure if you're setting up a travel industry right now you you better make sure that you're carbon neutral because because if you're not we're we're causing our own death of an industry really aren't we so it's like we've got to be really aware really engaged in that conversation everything from the hotels we pick what's their waste management systems like Where, where are the you know because there are hotels all over the world that are that don't give a crap about the community around it so how who are we working with in that respect um and that should i think should tra- transition now away from okay cool we're an eco lodge to well we're a lodge this is how we were obviously we work with the community obviously we support this obviously we have social entrepreneurs that come in uh, like why is it that eco travel is a separate thing that should be travel right it should be like that like that yeah. shouldn't be something that we you know is oh yeah i'm spending a bit more because of that no it's like we should all be doing that like if you're booking your package holiday for 300 pounds for a week in magaluf i know magaluf's got a bad rep on this podcast already but <laughs> but you know, it's just like um sadly it is like yeah, if you ask me about my travel hell it would be probably magaluf but like yeah the poster boy yeah i've never been there i'm sure it's lovely and i'm sure there's normally actually i thought this about cancun i went to cancun accidentally um and i'd like you get down the coast it's so it's flipping cool you know, there's a reason it's popular, right? So I don't want to want to want to dump on on locations because they're popular, right? That's not the point. The point is, is that if you're paying rock bottom prices, you're probably doing nothing good for the planet, but you are maybe enjoying a bit of a bit of sun. So I just think that we need to think about why every trip needs to have a purpose and a meaning now, um, and that doesn't. I'm not going to go on too much on that one. I think I, I've said my point. Yeah, yeah. I could go off on another. No, no, that. absolutely. It makes, it. No, listen. It, <laughs> it makes sense though and I, I agree like you know it's not a, I think the beauty of this kind of thing now is that it's not a sort of um, again like a sacrifice yourself 
to, mm. for the cause or anything like that. It's like, it's a sensible business decision. Like, if you don't have those things, yeah. your business will not do as well. You know, going back to the marketing side of things, if you have good values at the heart of what you do, then that will make your business more successful. So mm. I, I think people, a lot of the time, mistake it for thinking like, oh, I, I need to do these things because, you know, uh, I feel like that's what will be frowned upon. But I'll, And so I'll give up a bit of the business because of that. But mm. it's the polar opposite. I think it's a contributing factor to making your business more successful. So, yeah, I, to- I totally agree with you. And I don't. I think it's, if people think about it that way, it becomes a, a no-brainer that that's what should be happening. Obviously, for bigger organisations, it's harder to, you know, it's the oil tanker syndrome. It's harder to turn it around and 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 get into what's going on now. But if you are a smaller business and you start, you know, or you're starting fresh, then. It it's a great opportunity right? it's a great opportunity to do it and if uh, you know with the oil tankers you know they will either they'll either transition or they they will they won't survive and that that's the, the yeah. nature of it and that needs to be, we need to be okay with that okay if a, if a business has bad practices that are damaging the environment and not like then sadly like yeah like, it will go down yeah it needs to change and from that that's how we change the industry because if it carries on at the, yeah. in the rate it is then it, it doesn't it's not an industry anymore and we lose at that moment we lose what is amazing about travel we lose what is powerful about travel and the life affecting and changes it can make and i go back to that element of antidote right and it's been on my mind for a couple of weeks uh whilst on on long runs uh and i've you know this this element of we saw what happened in 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 january at the Capitol in Washington, we saw what's what's happened, you know, all over the world in terms of the populist politi- political movements. And well, I think I think sometimes about you know, if I grew up in a super super middle class Surrey, privately educated, all of these things, and yet have this sort of very like, where is it that that comes from? That that social focus, that that point about connecting, and that that the fact that borders don't really work in a globalized world that that idea that we you know if we're confident in that where does that come from well when i think about the people in my life who are you know a lot of it comes from that amazing experiences of travel like if you follow leon mccarran and he's living in iraq he used to live in amman you learn more about the middle east following leon mccarran and his journeys through the middle east than you 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 know and it opened than you will watching any cnn or um or, or Sky News or whatever, because you're, you're getting this opportunity to, to see it from the perspective of someone who's really intrigued by the travel and the experiences of travel. And I think that that's, those kind of things are so important. And, and that's where travel has a future. It has a future for humanity and connecting us. And it's hugely important in that, but we've got to do it more sustainably. Yeah, 100% agree. Nick, what I, that seems like as good a point as any to, <laughs> yeah. to bring it to a close. Um, Thanks so much for coming on. So so many great nuggets in there. Um, And it's lovely to chat to you in more depth again and, and, you know, to to hear more about what you're doing because, yeah, obviously the stuff you're doing with Impact is fantastic and it just sounds like, you know, all things considered at the moment, the, you know, the flywheel's turning and, um, you know, hopefully hopefully big things keep happening for you. Keep Um, telling us, yeah. Keep confidence in that process. Thank you so much. Yeah, indeed. Um, Where can people find you? Where's the best place to, to get you, Nick? Um, so for me personally, um, uh, Instagram, NJ Kershaw, um, that's the, the quickest and easiest place to find me. Um, Impact Marathon as well on Instagram is easy enough to find as well. 
so those are the two places Instagram is where we spend most of our time um, so yeah you can find us there quality and the website is impactmarathon.com that's it's it um, if you type it into Google yeah yeah, yeah it's all, all super easy to, find, to yeah. find yeah yeah we're not hiding uh, too much okay. tremendous okay lovely thanks so much for being on Nick awesome take care thanks Tom I'll speak to you soon bye bye awesome. bye It's been so much fun recording the first season of the podcast and I couldn't have picked a better episode to close it out. I hope you enjoyed it too and have noted just a few of the many tips Nick shared there, which I've no doubt will help any organisation make progress. Go to impactmarathon.com for more information where you'll also find links to their various social channels and you can join the followings that Impact have and the fantastic storytelling that they have around all the, all the work that they're doing. If you go to seotravel.co.uk forward slash Nick hyphen Kershaw, that's K-E-R-S-H-A-W for all the show notes and links to the many fantastic resources that Nick mentioned there. There's some great case studies you can check out that, that Nick highlighted and, and some really good causes that are uh, fantastic options to, to follow and get more information from. You can also watch the full video of the conversation at that link or visit seotravel.co.uk forward slash podcast for all the other episodes from season one where you can get lots of other insight too. If you're a travel company looking for marketing support from people who really care about your success, then please do get in touch at seotravel.co.uk and we'd love to hear from you. You can also read more about our 100% project there which outlines how we give all the profit we make from the business to educational charities, both at home and around the world. We'd love your support in spreading the word so we can help get these charities as much support as possible. If you enjoyed the show, it would be fantastic if you could review it on iTunes and share what your favourite bits were. Subscribe to it there and it would be fantastic if you could share it with at least one other person who you think would benefit from this episode and the insight that Nick offered. I've absolutely loved recording the first season and speaking to so many interesting people. I hope you've enjoyed following along and listening and learning from, from these great guests that we've had. If you would like to hear more, please email me on tom, T-O-M, at seotravel.co.uk with your feedback from the first season. Could be highlights, favourite episodes, key learnings, or even suggestions for future guests that you think we should have on. I'd love to hear from you and get your feedback and your, and your help and advice. If it sounds like there's enough appetite, then we'll keep going and I'd love to put together a, a second season. In the words of Alan Partridge, have I got a second series? In the meantime, thanks so much for listening and until next time, happy travels. Happy travels.